today we want to go into the word of god and the topic before us here this morning says where the spirit of the lord is everybody say it where the spirit of the lord is the text before us is taken from the book of second corinthians chapter 3 from verse 7 to 18 second corinthians chapter 3 7 to 18 i will read here but if the ministration of death written and engraved in stones was glorious so that the children of israel could not steadfastly behold the face of moses for the glory of his countenance which glory was to be done away how shall not the ministration of the spirit be rather glorious for if the ministration of condemnation be glory much more does the ministration of the righteousness exceed in glory for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. for if that which is done away was glorious much more that which remain is glorious seeing then that we have such hope we use great plainness of speech and not as moses which put a veil over his face that the children of israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished but their minds were blinded for until this day remained the same veil on taking away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. The key word here this morning is liberty. Everybody say liberty. Liberty. In Hebrew, it is called eleuteria. Eleuteria means freedom from slavery, to be independent, absence of ex external restraints, freedom from religious bondage. That is what it means. With the Spirit of the Lord, you, don't, you do not need to struggle with sin or Adamic nature in order to please God. We have so many Christians who still struggle with sin. They still struggle with the Adamic nature. But the scripture told us that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. So, as a child of God, when you receive the Spirit of God into your spirit, or when you receive the Spirit of God into your being, you should be free from sin. The scripture told us in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 14, it said that sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord has set you at liberty. The Spirit of the Lord has set you free from its hold. 
Praise God. Please let's read Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3. Quickly, Psalm 51 verse 5, Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Who is reading Ephesians for us? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3. Mm. 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 Yes. Mm. Praise God. That was in the time past. I love that word. That was in the time past. But now that we are in the Lord, now that we have accepted Jesus, that should be in the past. It cannot be in the present anymore. That cannot be our ways of life anymore. That should be a forgotten issue. Amen. Psalm 51 verse 5. Luke 4, 18. Please open it because of mm-hmm. Psalm 51 verse 5. Okay, okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, this scripture, of course, every one of us will know that it is directed to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it does not only stay with Jesus. It also flows to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. So what does that mean is that by the time the Spirit of the Lord come upon you, the Spirit of the Lord does not only deliver you, the Spirit of the Lord makes you a deliverer. You know, when the Spirit of the Lord fills you, you go out there and set at liberty those who are in bondage. And anybody that is going to set other people free, he himself must be free. He himself must be free. How do we talk about a child of God who's supposed to pray for people to get healed, who himself is falling ill? How do we talk about a child of God who's supposed to cast out demon or unclean spirit from the life of people who himself is still struggling with unclean spirit? And yet he said he is a child of God. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That is very, very important for us to note. Amen. Now, this message is divided into three or four, and we want to begin to go into it uh, stage by stage. The first one I want to talk about is the ministry of death. The ministry of death. Somebody read from verse 7. I'm talking about 2 Corinthians now, where I read our text from 7 to 11. 7 to 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 7 to 11. Mm. 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 
Praise the Lord. To 11. Mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. The ministry of death refers to the dispensation of the Old Testament, which was based on a covenant engraved on stones and not on the heart. And the scripture told us, especially while we were reading in the book of Ezekiel the other time, the Lord says, I will give, take away the heart of stone and I will give him the heart of flesh. You see? see? At the point God said that I will write my commandment upon their hearts. But at this, in this dispensation, we saw that the commandment or the covenant was engraved on stone and not on their heart. So it was a ministry that brought condemnation. It only produced spiritual death because the law could only show their need, but it is powerless to meet that need. It could not meet that need. We see, saw that in the book of Romans chapter 7, if you read from verse 7 to 10. As a matter of fact, there is a time in that scripture it said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Because those things that I wanted to do, I discovered that the good that I intend to do, I discovered that I could not do it. There is a power within me that is taking me captive against my will in doing that which is right. But when the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, the Spirit of God delivered me from that power. Somebody shout hallelujah. So I became free to be able to do what God wanted me to do. Nevertheless, the giving of that covenant was an accompanied by great glory. Why? Because it was God's word. Moses, as a minister of that covenant, refuted his glory. But when it is compared with the New Testament, the Old Testament is said to have no glory at all. Praise God. The second one, their mind was blinded. Verse 12, we see that in verse 12 and 15. Moses wore a veil to obscure the nature of the glory on his face. So, it made it difficult for the people to decode the message. They were therefore held in bondage and they were kept as struggling with sin because the glory that they were supposed to behold, that was supposed to illuminate their heart and make them to understand the message of what God will say had been obscured, had been covered. So they couldn't see it. In fact, the scripture says it was a glory that was fading away. The glory that was fading away. Right? 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 to 3. 2 Peter chapter 2, 19 to 22. I would love it if somebody can read 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 3 for me. 2 Peter 2, 19 to 22. Just write that down. But read 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 3. I charge thee before God. Mm-hmm. Mm. Preach the word. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Is that first Timothy? Yeah, one, two, three. The Spirit says expressly. This scripture is very, very important for us to take note of. Now, where are the people departing from? When it says, at the latter day, people will depart from what? From the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. And Jesus also is the spirit here. So they are departing from Jesus. They are departing from the Holy Spirit. And when you depart from the Holy Spirit, what will happen? You will fall into seducing spirit. You will fall into the hands of foul spirit. You will begin to fall into false doctrines. And said people will have their conscience seared with hot iron. It means that they will have dead conscience. And that is the reason why even today you will see evil all around us, yet we do not have conscience. People no longer have conscience. We cannot even differentiate the good from the bad. People steal from each other. You see, people oppress each other. People take advantage of each other. Why? Because their conscience has been seared with hot iron. Why? Because they have departed away from the spirit. Now, from the truth. Now, he is talking about the children of God. Because this, it is the children of God that are departing from the truth. It's not an unbeliever. At the latter day. Now, departing from the truth does not mean that they are leaving the church. Departing from the truth does not mean that they are still not preaching the gospel. Departing from the truth does not mean that they have gone to worship idol. They still remain on the altar, but they are no longer with the God of the altar. They have departed from the spirit and from the true doctrine of God. And the spirit is telling us that we should be very, very vigilant. People who will go back to Egypt... People who will go again to, to entangle themselves with the bondage that has been taken away from them. We must be very, very watchful. I pray that God of heaven will help us in Jesus' name. The part three here says, the bondages they were held to. There are some bondages that the Old Testament uh, uh, believers were held into. I have about four of them here. There are so many of them, but just four of them because of our time. Number one, number one of the bondage was that they had to keep over 600 laws without breaking any one. I, I remember there was a time I myself, I was trying to count them personally. All the laws that God gave to them was over 600 laws. And they had to keep it every day without breaking any one. In fact, Jesus Christ said clearly that anybody who breaks one law has broken all the laws. It's a great bondage. Number two, if they break any of the law, it attracts a very expensive sacrifice. 
You remember? When they discover that they have committed just one sin out of all those sins, they have to bring gold, they have to bring this, they have to bring... Either you have money or not, you have to go and look for it. It was, it was, it was tedious at that time. Number three, the engraved law was duplicated to them so they would write it on their doorposts to teach their children while standing, sitting, or walking. See, they, keep, they need to keep saying it again and again and again and again. Well, I don't know how many times I sat my children down and I began to teach them word for word from the scripture. We read the scripture together. But today, by the grace of God, I mean, you just read the scripture, you just quote the scripture. You just... How do we do that? It is by the Spirit of the Lord. It is not mechanical. It is the Spirit of the Lord who helped to implant this word in your heart. I don't remember myself writing any law or commandment of God in our doorpost or anywhere in the house. But yet the word was implanted in your spirit. But at that time they had to do that. While they were standing, while they are sitting, while they are walking, they need to continue to teach their children and remind them so that they will be able to memorize it by force or mechanically. Some of the laws even attract death penalty. These are the bondages. They attract death penalty. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the book of this, I'm studying the book of this, I mean now. <laughs> when I read this, sometimes I say, ah, God have mercy. Thank God that this uh, old dispensation is gone. Because I, I could not differentiate that period from the Sharia that we used to have with the Muslims. They'll tell you that if a man slept with another man's wife, they have to take them out and stone them to death. Is that not what the Sharia says? It's the same thing with the Sharia. A lot of things you find in this Old Testament that even the Sharia too, they, 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 they say. But thank God for Jesus who delivered us from Sharia. Come and praise his name. With all this effort in trying to meet with God's standard of holiness, they failed. And so, out of 600 men that left Egypt, those who originally received the law, that is on Mount Horeb, only two made it to the promised land. Not even Moses and Aaron could make it. And what does that mean? This is what the Lord does to those who are held in his bondage. They don't get to the promised land. They don't. A life without Christ is a life filled with crises and mysteries. Please, read with me in the book of Romans chapter 8, 1 to 4 again. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Be quick, please. Thank you. Mm. Oh, I love that. This is one of my best uh, scriptures. There is now, therefore, no condemnation whatsoever for anybody who is in Christ Jesus. Meanwhile, in the past, we have the ministry of condemnation. They cannot escape from condemnation. No, none of them was, was able to meet the standard of holiness of God. They were living in condemnation. But when you come to Christ, when the spirit of liberty 
come upon you, the scripture says, you are no longer condemned. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ. Yes, please. Mm. Yeah. Has, yeah. Oh, glory. Yes. Mm. Now, I want you to see that emphasis. We walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I'm coming to that later. So, the people who are actually free from this bondage are the people who do not follow the dictate of the flesh, but they follow the command or the instruction of the spirit. So, the moment you release yourself, to the spirit's leading, to the spirit counsel, to the spirit commands, you will continue in the liberty. Yes, fifteen four Romans fifteen four. Mm. Hallelujah. All these things that were written there. No, some people will jettison the Old Testament and say it is the Old Testament. No, 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 no. All those things that were written there, they are written for our work, for our learning. For our learning. In fact, the scripture says that they were set there as our example. That is why I can never stop to appreciate the grace of God upon those of us that are part of this dispensation. You see, the, the church in the wilderness was like a, 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 a guinea pig that was brought into the library to use and dissect them in teaching the students some salient truth. Yes, it is true. Israelites are covenant people with God. God loved them very much. But God loved those people in Christ more. Hallelujah. And that's why it is important even for them to also accept the Jesus Christ. Please, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. I just said that. Did you see that? Power example. So learn. So don't fall into the same pit. Don't fall into the same mistake that he fell into. The deep partner. Christ called into liberty. Christ called into liberty. We see that in verse 16 to 18. Please read verse 16 to 18 in our text. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 to 18. Second Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. Nevertheless, when you turn to the somebody say turn to the Lord. When you turn to the Lord, what happened? The veil is taken away. Yes. There is liberty. Mm. With open face, no more veiled faces. With open face. 
with open face. Yes. We can see the glory clearly and physically. Nothing is covering the glory anymore. Yes. And while we were beholding the glory, something is happening in our life. A transformation is taking place. We are metamorphosing. Hallelujah. We are changing. I'm coming to that too. From glory to glory. Christ is calling everyone into liberty. Although, if you enter into this liberty, there are things you should do and things you must not do. And that's what we want to go into right now. Number one, according to the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, we are commanded to stand in the liberty and do not entangle with the yoke of bondage. Stand. So here comes your responsibility. Not to move away. You remember in the book of Timothy, we were told that some people, they will move away. But here we are commanded, stand in the liberty. God has called you into the liberty. Christ has brought you into this liberty. Remain there. Remain there. Don't go and put your neck again into the bondage. Yesterday in the big keepers meeting, we were talking about security concerning our assets in the farm. And we began to suggest a lot of things. But somebody said, ah, we can employ the indigenous means of, of security. And I said, are you trying to tell us that we should go into traditional way of protecting our things? Because he just called it indigenous. I know what he's talking about. I said, yes, traditional way. I said, okay, you mean that when a thief enters into your farm, he just go and pick hole and start to walk from the middle of the night to the morning? He said, exactly that's what I'm saying. <laughs> And somebody said, well, it may be good, but when you do that, the devil has no free gift. Praise God. He said there is a spiritual implication. There is a spiritual implication. You are trying to do what? Put your neck under another body. So we can't do that. No matter how good it is, we can't do that. And so we began to suggest a lot of things to protect our, our, our faith. So what I'm saying is essence that this scripture, stand in that liberty. Do not put your neck into another bondage. Number two, we are called to liberty, but must not use it for an occasion to the flesh, but through love serve one another. That's what we find there again. Do not use it for an occasion. Some people will say, well, I am called at liberty. I can do whatever thing I want to do. Now that I am a child of God, that I am, I, I am saved, I can tell lies. The grace covers me. I can fornicate. Grace cover me. <laughs> I don't know where they got that from. That is not true. Grace does not cover you for committing sin. You are saved from it. You are not saved into it. You are saved from committing sin, not safe to commit sin. So do not use your liberty as an occasion for the flesh. Do not allow the flesh to take hold of you. That's what that simply means. Don't allow the flesh. 
to rule you. Don't allow anger. Don't allow malice. Don't allow jealousy to take over your life. But true love serve one another. True love serve one another. Number three. He said, to keep walking in liberty, you must walk in the spirit. We find that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, that says, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Please read Psalm 119, verse 45. Psalm 119, verse 45. Somebody can... To keep walking in liberty, you must walk in the spirit. That is, walking means to keep living in liberty. Or to, for you to remain in liberty, you must walk in the spirit. Yeah. Psalm 119, verse 45. Yeah. I will walk at liberty. Did, did you see there? No? For I seek your people. So when you seek, what is the precept of God? It's the word of God. When you seek his word, when you seek his will, when you love what God loves, when you do what God wants you to do, when you live the kind of life that pleases God, you will walk at liberty. Hear me. Places where they can say some people cannot go and come back, you will go through and you will stay come back. Things that some people cannot do and, and get away with it, you will do it and nothing will happen. Hear me. Paul Apostle was, was trying to gather sticks and they wanted to, to make fire so that they, they will hit themselves. And while gathering sticks, he, unknown to him, he gathered a viper with him. And the viper actually stinking. Hallelujah. And people saw it and, and they were so afraid and said, Ah, this man, though he was saved from the shipwreck where several people died, but his sin must be so much. And now look at it again. See, viper has killed him. So they were waiting for the man to converse and to die. But what did the apostle Paul do? He shook the viper. He didn't even mind the poison. He just shook the viper into the fire. And they were waiting for him to die. And he didn't die. And he said, ah, this must be a God. What are we talking about? He's walking in liberty. The freedom we think God has given us. A lot of people will be falling sick around you. You cannot force. That does not mean you should abuse your body. That does not mean that you should eat food that you shouldn't eat. That's what I'm saying. But you see, no sickness will just hit you anyhow. You can't. People may be crying and shouting about coronavirus. You don't need to be afraid of coronavirus because when coronavirus see you, it will do what? It will pass over you. The scripture does say, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Amen. Because you are no longer in the bondage of these things. You are not afraid of death. You are not afraid of sickness. You are not afraid of bad dreams. You are not afraid of witches. You are not afraid of wizards. You are not afraid of the occult because they cannot do you anything. Hallelujah. Because I seek your precept, I walk in it. May that be our portion in Jesus' name. Your liberty is not an excuse to do or commit evil, but free to live as God's servants. 
You are not to do evil because you are at liberty to do evil. That's what we are saying. But you are at liberty to serve God. To live as a servant of God. The last part now, E. How to stay free from being tied up to the yoke of bondage. How to stay free from being tied up to the yoke of bondage. Number one. Be shaped by the Holy Spirit. Be shaped. Now, I, I put this here intentionally. I didn't say be shaped by the word of God. I said be shaped by the Holy Spirit so that people can come to know Christ through what they see. First Corinthians chapter 3, 5 to 6. Please read it. First Corinthians chapter 3, 5 to 6. First Corinthians chapter 3, 5 to 6. Yes. That's first Corinthians three, five to six. Okay. Well, what I'm trying to say in essence is that your life must be the reflection of Christ. When people see you, they should see Jesus. How would that happen? By what you do, by what you say, and all that. People, when people come closer to you, they should feel Christ. They should feel the love of Jesus Christ. And it is the Holy Spirit that will help shape your life that way. Number two, spend time in God's presence and expect the Holy Spirit to transform you into the image of His glorious Son. That scripture says, as we behold, as in the mirror, the glory of God. And where can we find that glory? We find it in the Word of God. So each time you spend in your closet, somebody was talking the other time that some men of God that, I mean, are power carrier of God today, there are sacrifices that they actually pay. Some of them went into the wilderness to pray for many, many months. Some of them went upon the mountaintop to pray with fasting and, and, and a lot of sacrifices. You know, some of them spent time in their, in their closet. They shut the door against them and they remain with the word of God. And they keep studying the word of God. They keep memorizing the word of God. They keep looking into the word of God. And this scripture says, as you stay with the word of God, without you knowing what was happening, transformation is already taking place. He said, you are moving from glory to glory. You are moving from glory to glory. God is full of glory. And his glory will surely rub upon you. Just like that of Moses. Moses spent 80 days in the presence of God. By the time the man will descend from the mountain, people discovered that his face was shining. And they were afraid to look at him. And that was why actually he had to cry with the veil. People will see the glory of God just shining and radiating upon your life. As a matter of fact, if you stay in the presence of God, sometimes you don't even need to pray for the sick to get healed. If you just walk past them like this, and the breeze of your body just blow on them, some of them will just fall under anointing without you touching them. Some of them will just get healed. Somebody will just pass by you now, evil spirit will begin to cry upon him and, and jump out. 
or you enter into a house and an evil spirit just jump out. Why? Because you carry the presence of God. But you see, it takes you to do what? To stay in the presence of God. Spend time in His presence. Somebody said, if you stayed long in the flower, what will happen? Smell the flower. Number three, recognize the spiritual war in your mind. Take captive of every thought that is hostile to God. And how do you do that? By memorizing the word of God and meditating upon the word of God. Every one of us, we cannot escape it. There is always a battle going up in our mind. Evil thought. Everybody has it. But you must take that thought evil. He was sharing his, his experience with us. Why that spirit was saying, you will fail. Ha, you will fail. There's no way you will do it. Ha, you will. But you see, he read something in the scripture. So he decided to stay with what he read in the scripture and not what the devil is, is, is uh, posting on, on his, on his uh, mind, on his wall. That he will fail. A 12 years old child teaching professors and doctors. Ah, and me, I am more than 12 years old. How can I fail? If Jesus at the age of 12 we call the attentions of professors and doctors of law and we'll be answering their question and answering their own question. Can I carry Jesus inside of me? I will do well. And that why? Because there is a war going off in his mind. And he's able to take captive. That is very germane. And that is the reason why we must allow the word of God to dwell in our mind rich. If you can overcome the battle of your mind, then you can you have overcome every other battle. Because actually, our mind is the center of the battle. It is our mind. After all, most of the things that comes out of our mouth is the thing that defies us. Is that what Jesus Christ said? Not the things that go into our mind, mouth. It is the thing that come out. And how do they come out? They come from our mind. Am I making sense here? They come from our mind. And so if we are able to take charge and take control of those things that are in our mind, and allow only the things of God to come out from our mind. And since our confession is our possession, we will discover that, of course, we will live a life of great victory. Because our confession is our possession. You are your mind. As a man thinking, so is he. And that's why the scripture says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So he's telling you to have the mind of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. If you want to be Christ, have the mind of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. Conclusion. It is clear that it is not the will of God for anyone to live in bondage. It is not. It is not. Bondage of our past. A child of God who is thinking of it. In fact, a child of God has no past. Please, can I say it again and again? A child of God has no past. We live in the present and we are going into the future. 
So stop thinking about your past because the scripture says all things are passed away. So don't allow the devil to keep telling you that the reason why you are going through what you are going through in this present time is because of your past. There is nothing like that. There is nothing like that. The scripture says you died and your life is hid in Christ God. You died and your life is hid in Christ, in God. That's talking about two things. Your life is hid in Christ and Christ is hid in God. That's what he said. You died and your life is hid in Christ, in God. And so for the devil to get at you, he must have to go and open up Christ. And for him to get Christ, he had to open up God. Somebody say, is that possible? It is not possible. So, God does not want you to be in bondage. As a matter of fact, you have been set free from it. You must let that. Don't allow anybody to tell you that there is this idol they worship in your ancestral home. And there is an ancestry uh, connection. There is what, what ancestry? The moment I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I have been disconnected from those ancestral jargon. Because I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am a new creature. I am a new creature. I'm a new being. And I have a new beginning in God. There's no any ancestral connections. There's nothing like that. You are what you believe. So don't entangle yourself in that yoke of bonding. And you need to know that it is only God or through the Holy Spirit that we can remain free from every external force. Forces like sickness, forces like the fear of death, bad dreams, sin, failure, and so on and so forth. Finally, please read Hebrew chapter 2, 14 to 15. Hebrew chapter 2, 14 to 15 as we close our message. Two, Hebrew 2, 14 to 15. Yes. We are partakers of flesh and blood. In Christ. Yes. Yes. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. Yes, who does the devil? Uh, What that scripture is saying is powerful. God decided to become man so that he could save man from the devil. And how will he do that? Through death. Because God cannot die. He had to become man to die. And now that he died, he died so that he can destroy not death now, but the one who has the power of death. So he went right to the source. Somebody say he went right to the source. To the source of my problem. And he disconnected it. Listen, Christ has disconnected us away from the source of our problem. Problem is no longer coming into our life. We have been delivered. 
we have been set free. We have liberty through the Spirit of the Lord. I want you to bow down your head and say, God, I give you thanks for Father, I bless your name. Lord, I appreciate you. Thank you, Father, for setting me free. Open your mouth and begin to. Begin to. Bless the Lord, begin to appreciate the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Today we want to share again topic before us says a broken vessel. Can somebody say it? The text is taken from the book of Psalm, Psalm 31. I will be reading from the very first verse to the end, Psalm 31. Please let's open our Bible to the book of Psalm as you follow me while I read. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust? Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thy ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock on house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me, for thou art my strength. Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities, and hast not shut me up into the hands of the enemy. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eyes is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of my iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to my acquaintance. They that did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of, my, out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. Why did two cancer together against me? They devised to take away my life. But I trust in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord. For I have declared upon thee, let the wicked be ashamed, and let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying leaf be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly, and contemptuous against the righteous. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, 
which thou hast brought to them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence and the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the stripe of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath shewed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thy eyes. Nevertheless, thou hardest my voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee. O love the Lord, all ye he said. For the Lord preserved the faithful, and plentifully reward the, the proud doers. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Now in the scripture, there are some words that are very consistent. And uh, I want us to take note of those words. Number one of it is trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord. That it is important for a man to put his trust only in God. Now, when we talk about broken vessel, what is vessel? Vessel is usually a container like a bottle, pot, or cup used for holding liquid. When the vessel is still in use, it is almost as if one cannot do without it. But the moment there is a crack on the vessel, the owner begins to avoid using it, if not thrown away and sought for an alternative immediately. Of course, no man is indispensable when you are still useful to people. When you are profitable to them, they give you special treatment and make you feel as if there is no one like you or make you feel as if you are the most important. But in most times, when challenges arise, when trouble come knocking, the people praising and celebrating you will suddenly vanish into the thin air. They will begin to behave as if they didn't see you. They will pretend as if they never knew you. The book of Job, chapter 19, verse 13 to 19 says something. I want us to read that. 19 from verse 13. Job 19 from verse 13. Yes. the Lord. Here we saw Job that is actually expressing his 
feeling is disappointment to the disposition of people towards him when he was in his trial, when he was in trouble, when he was passing through his difficulties. Before now, Job was a celebrity. People throng his home. As a matter of fact, it is as if every day was a day of feasting in the house of Job. Friends, family, they will not leave his house. They will come to eat. They will come to drink. They will come to do all kinds of things when things were going well with Job. But the very moment the challenges, the trouble of Job came, we had him here saying that all those friends, all those families, members, all those acquaintances, every one of them, they fly away. They departed from him. Even his wife, even his children, all of them, they forsook him. They abandoned him. He became like a broken vessel that is useless to them. In time like this, you must keep looking to Jesus. Scripture told us that in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the only one that we must keep our attention at. He is the only one that we must place our focus on. Don't put your focus on man. Don't put your focus on anything except on Jesus. Why? Because he's the only one who cannot fail. He's the only one who cannot disappoint. The scripture says to us in the book of 1 Samuel, he said, the arm of men will fail you. If you put your trust in man, if you depend upon human being, they will fail you someday. Not even your wife, not even your husband, not even your children, not even your relative can sustain you on the day of trouble. They will all disappear. Jesus is the only friend that cannot fail us. He is the only one in the days of trouble that can be trusted. I pray that God of heaven will help us in Jesus' name. Now, let's just look at some examples. Please go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 19. Proverbs 19. Let somebody help us to read 4 to 7. Proverbs 19, 4 to 7. Wealth makes many friends. Wealth make many friends. Mm-hmm. To seven. Mm-hmm. make many friends sometimes when you are rich when you have money when you have everything going on well with you 
and people begin to flock around you, 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 you feel as if they love you. You feel as if ah, you, you, you are wanted by everybody. You feel as if you are indispensable, that without you, they cannot do anything. They cannot even lift their fingers. My brother, my sister, I want to tell you, it is because of what they are gaining from you. That is the reason why they are flocking around you. It is because you have something that they needed. That's why they are coming to you. The scripture here told us that wealth make many friends. But look at the poor. He's separated from his neighbor. As a matter of fact, it is not only from his neighbor. Because when we get down there, he said all his brethren, that is the brethren of the poor, do hate him. Why do they hate him? They didn't hate him because his character was bad. They didn't hate him because he's not a good person. They hated him because he was poor. They hated him because he was poor. And he said here, he said he tried to he pursued them with words. He tried to convince them that, look, come around me. I am not that bad. I'm not a bad person. He entreated them with words. But what did they do? They still stay away from him. They don't want to have any affiliation with him. Why? Because he is a poor man. He is a poor man. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. From verse 12 to 19. We want to see an example of the Lord Jesus Christ here. And on the next day, much people that came to the feast, now they inquired, they investigated, and by that inquiry, they got to know that Jesus was coming. As a matter of fact, they were asking, if you follow that story very well, they were asking, will he not come to the feast? Will he be here? And some people said he was coming. And so they knew that Jesus, when they heard that Jesus was coming, what did they do? They went and they began to prepare a great welcome visit. Uh, 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 Celebration for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm. They were confused. Mm. 
Jesus Christ, as soon as he approached Jerusalem, the multitude came around him. The multitude. Somebody said the multitude. Actually, what we love as human beings is that we want to be crowded around by multitude. We want people to flock around us. That is when our ego rises, our head swirls. We want multitude to praise us. We are people of the multitude. Pastors want to have multitude in his church. We want multitude to applaud us. Multitude. Multitude came to meet with Jesus. They sang great songs of praise and, and, and gave him great honor befitting a king. He was placed even on a donkey and they spread their clothes both on the donkey and on the ground for this donkey to step on. It was a great welcome celebration. Show more so that his disciples were even confused. He said, what was happening? Is this not our master? Is what's, what's happening? They, were con- they didn't know what was happening. It was after his res- resurrection that they actually understood what was going on. But listen, Four days later, not a week, not a month, but four days later, the story suddenly changed. The song suddenly changed. And what was the song they later sang again? Matthew 27, 21 to 25. Matthew 27, 21 to 25. Please read that. Matthew 27, 21-25 The governor answered and said to them Jesus had been arrested four days after he was celebrated. Four days after the song of praise and, and, and honor was given to him. Four days after he was arrested. In fact, the judge himself called him a just man. So they arrested a just man. They brought in a man who did not commit any crime before the judgment treats him. And when they brought him before the judge, the judge asked the multitude a question. The same multitude that were celebrating him, the same multitude that were applauding him, he said, now, a criminal is standing here and the man, Jesus, you brought is standing here. Now, the reason why the judge or Pilate did this was that they all 
knew what Barabbas did. As a matter of fact, Barabbas has killed somebody. He had murdered somebody. So, this is a worst criminal. Now, this is a man who did not commit any crime. Now, he said, look, between these two, who do you want me to release? Thinking that, well, if I bring the worst and the best together, the people should be able to make good choices. I brought the black and I brought the white. It's glaring, it's clear. I said, choose. But the people said no. We want the criminal to be released to us. And we want this just man to be crucified. Remember this just man four days ago. He was the man of the crowd. He was the man of the people. Now, the judge says, what did you want me to do? And they all exclaimed, let him be crucified. <laughs> now, most of the time, even we as Christians, we still forget all these things. When people begin to fail us, when people begin to disappoint us, our hearts sinks. And we feel as if we feel disappointed. We forget that no man can be trusted. Because the man who sang Hosanna today can also sing crucify him tomorrow. We must be very, very watchful. I will take us again to another story. The story of the prodigal son in the book of Luke chapter 15, verse 13 to 17. You just take note of that. Luke, don't read. Luke 15, 13 to 17. We used to talk about him lavishing his father's wealth and all that and all that. And we, we had the story of his experience after he had wasted his, 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 his inheritance. But we fail to recognize that the prodigal son did not spend the money alone. He did not enjoy himself alone. He must have friends. There must be some people who enjoyed the money with him. When he went, instead of him to buy a car, probably he even bought a car. He carried some people in the car. He went to a pepper soup joint with some people. He partied with some people. He gave some of this money to some people. But after the money was spent, where were these people when the prodigal son began to suffer? If you read verse 17, 16 and 17, he said, in fact, he went to join himself uh, with a farmer who take care of pig. And the farmer employed him to give food to the pigs. He came to a point that even the money that they pay him could not even feed him. So much so that he desired to eat some food given to the pig, but he could not because I believe he was being supervised. 
that even if this pig can remain some food for me to eat, I will eat it. So he was hungry, and none of his friends or his acquaintances could give him food. They all left him. Why? Because there was nothing on the menu that the people could enjoy. There was nothing with him that can attract the people to him. He had become a broken vessel that could no longer hold water. Hallelujah. Now, that is what we saw in the book, in that book of Psalm 31. If you go back to that book of Psalm 31, the book of Psalm 31 actually is a psalm of the Messiah. And it's the, the, in that psalm, he's trying to express his grief, his pain, his disappointment over people whom he trusted, whom he relied upon. But they all failed him. Now they gang up together to eat his flesh. Now they gang up together to destroy him. These are the people who once upon a time they all fed on his table. Now they were looking for his destruction. There was nowhere for him to turn to. Please read 2 Timothy chapter 4, 16 and 18. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 16 to 18. At my first, what? Okay. That my first defense. Yes. No one. No one stood with me. Who was talking here? Of course, Paul Apostle. And you will agree with me too that Paul Apostle was a man of the people. He was a celebrity. He was a man who enjoyed the crowd. But now, he had been arrested. He had to face the judge. The judge. But here he said, there was no one, no one person that stood with me. Where was Timothy himself? Where was Titus? Where was Mark? Where was Barnabas? Where was Silas? Where was all of them? No one stood with me. But what did he say? All men forsook me. All men forsook me. Have you had that experience? Where all men forsook you? Your brothers, your sisters, your in-laws, your everyone. All men forsook me. Yes. He said he prayed that God will not lay it to their church. Yeah. Notwithstanding. Not Somebody say, notwithstanding. Notwithstanding. Despite all that, with what people did and what I was going, notwithstanding, the Lord 
The Lord who cannot fail. The Lord who cannot disappoint. Stood with me. Yes. And he did not only stand by me, he gave me strength. He gave me the ability to be able to face my challenges. He encouraged me. The Lord strengthened me. The Lord gave me the ability to be able to overcome. Notwithstanding, the Lord was there. And that is the most important. You must understand that when you the going was good, men are not to be trusted or depended on. Because the moment things fail and life becomes difficult, they begin to ignore you and treat you like a broken vessel. You'll be left alone in your struggle. Now, the consolation is in absolute trust in the law who is able to deliver you from the hands of your enemies. And that is what Psalm 31 just told us. And so, and that's why he kept repeating the word, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. My brethren, this morning, I want to admonish you that both in the time of the rain and in the time of the dry season, you must learn one thing that it is good to trust only God. When you have, when you are in abundance, when you have plenty, and people are drugging your house, and people are praising you, and people are saying that there's no one like you, please don't allow your mind to shift away from God to them. Don't put your trust in their words. Don't put your trust. Don't be deceived. Don't be carried away by their praises. Stay on course. Looking unto Jesus. Don't allow yourself to be deceived and think that this person can be trusted. No one can be trusted. But God. And when the dry time comes also, don't allow your mind to despair. Because it is the nature of man to abandon a broken vessel. It is the nature of man. The moment a vessel is broken, they set it aside and they look for alternative. So don't feel disappointed. Don't think that ah, all men are evil, all men are bad, all men are this and what people used to say. And some of them, they will withdraw. Or they will create enemy from them. No, you don't do it. You look at Paul here. Just look at what he did. He didn't hate them. As a matter of fact, he prayed for them. And said, I pray to God that he will not lay that charge. Why? Because it is the nature of man. to forsake. What did they do to Jesus Christ? Even when Jesus Christ fed alone... Because people abandoned him, people forsook him on the cross. What did he do? He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Even God, his father, said, why did you forsake me? Why did you forsake me? But we know that God did not forsake Jesus. We know that God did not abandon Jesus. All his disciples, they all ran away. 
they all disappear. As a matter of fact, one of the prominent of them denied him to his face. Three times and said he never knew Jesus Christ. So are you, are you disappointed when people deny you? When they say, ah, give me your it's not because the parent is, is bad, but because the parent is not rich. Daddy, I'm a It's not my dad. It's not my mom. I don't know them. Uh, my mom is in London. My dad is, is in Genko. In fact, he's having a meeting with the Prime Minister of, of the UK. That's my dad. That is what people want. They want to affiliate themselves with great people, with successful people, with rich people. Pray God we have mercy on us in Jesus' name. Words can fail, fame can go, people will depart, but God is constant. There's a victory that always comes as a result of trusting and depending on God. In verse 19 to 24 of Psalm 31, he says. God has stored up a wealth of goodness for those who put their trust in him. Those who put their trust in him. His kindness is a fortress that cannot be overcome by the foe. God is a refuge for all those who are suffering from evil plots of the enemy that want to destroy them. I, I was so glad when our prayer leader took us to the book of Psalm 57. And I said, actually, you have seen into my, my, my sermon this morning. You know, please, I want us to read that scripture again. Psalm 57. Verse. Just let's get to verse 1 of it. I, I love that scripture too. And it com confirmed what God actually minister to me to share with us again today. He says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusted in thee. Yeah, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge under this calamity. In the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. That's where I will put my trust. That's where I will stay. I will not run to any man. In fact, if you run to any man, to anybody, for help and assistance, they will disappoint you. They will tell you, ah, I will have helped you. If not because uh, yesterday, cat uh, uh, and dog, they fought, and, and, uh, and uh, the dog did not win. That's why I can help you. If you have come earlier, I will have given you this. That's what they will continue to tell you. But you cannot go to God and God give you excuses. Finally, as I conclude, 
Let us look at Hebrew chapter 4. Hebrew chapter 4, 14 to 16, and Hebrew chapter 13, 5 to 6. As I round up now. Hebrew 4, yes. Sin there. Now, this is an admonish. This is advising us, admonishing us. Yes, sin there. We have a great high priest. Yes. Jesus, the Son of God. He can be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He had he 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 feel what we feel. He feel what we feel. Yes. Mm. Mm. My emphasis this morning is the coming. Don't come to a man. Don't. But always come to God. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Come. Don't, don't stay away from the throne of grace. Don't begin to hope from one man to the other and say, if this one didn't help me, this one will help me, this one will help me. That's why I, I want to believe that people don't even understand uh, uh, Psalm 121, I believe, where it says, I will lift up my hands unto the hills fail. The hills will disappoint you. The hills cannot support you. Because I lift up my hands unto the hill. From where come my help? It's not from the hill. The hill cannot help. My help can only come from God who created the hills. But most of the time, we lift our eyes to the hill. It's even a hill, not even a mountain. I lift up my eyes to the hill. But when the, 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 that, the, the writer of that psalm says, I lift up my head to the hill, the hill could not help itself. Where then comes my head? It is then he knew that my head comes. Let us learn to trust God. Let us learn to focus our attention on God. He is the only one who cannot fail us. This scripture told us that He is the one who has felt our feeling. He knew what it is to be hungry. When the children of Israel were in the land of Egypt and they were groaning, did you know why God actually came down? Because He actually felt their pain. Ah, he felt their pain. When you are hungry, God knows what it means because He's feeling your hunger too. He's feeling it. When you are in lack, we are in want. God feels it. He knows what it means. And so He is the only one who can help you. That scripture, uh, Paul said, He said, The Lord stood with me and He strengthened me. He, mean, he supported me. He's the only one who can do that for you. Yes, the last one now, chapter 13, 5 to 6. Let your conversation here is let your ways of life. Let your ways of life be without conventiousness. 
Because the word conversation there means your living, your life. Let it be without conversiousness. It means that let your ways of life be with contentment. Don't do more than you are able to do. Don't allow people to pressurize you to do more than what you can do. No. Don't overdo anything because you want to please men. Because the people you live your life to please today, they can still forsake you tomorrow. The only one that you can do anything in order to please is God. Let your conversation be without confessionness, yes? And be content. Yes. For he had said, he is the only one who can promise and not fail. And he had promised that. You see, the greatest word there that I underline in my scripture is the word never. It means under whatever situation and circumstances I want. But no man can make such a promise. A father can promise a child that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. The day he died, he has left the boy, the, the, the child. A mother can beat her chest and say, Look, I am the one who gave birth to you. I will never leave you. The day he dies, he's gone. But God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And he is the only one who can make a promise and keep that promise. I pray for every one of us today that the grace to put our trust alone in God, that grace will rest upon us in the name of Jesus. And wherever it is that men have hurt you, wherever it is that men have disappointed you, wherever it is that men have failed you, I release the grace for recovery. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Every wound that you have sustained, Every pain that you have had because of the failure and the disappointment of man, receive a healing power now in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to bow down your head as we go to pray to God and say, God, help me to put it. Into your world this morning, we pray the Lord.
God, you will speak to us in Jesus' name. Father, we pray, God, you will illuminate our hearts in the name of Jesus. And Lord, you will educate us through your word and make our life better for it. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Amen. The topic before us this morning says, Visit to the vineyard of the slothful. Everybody say it. Visit to the vineyard of the slothful. Proverbs chapter 24. From verse 27 to 34. Proverbs chapter 24, 27 to 34. Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field, and afterward build thy house. Be not a witness against thy neighbor without cause, and deceive not with thy lips. Say not, I will do to him as he hath done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles. And nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. May we receive instruction this morning in Jesus' name. Yet a little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hand to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed robber. May poverty not be our portion in Jesus' name. Sloths. What is sloth? Sloth is an animal in Central and uh, South America that moves very slowly. It is a symbol of laziness and inactiveness. When a visit was made to the field of the slothful, it was discovered that grass has taken over the field. He said it was all grown all over with thorns and nettles. Nettles had covered the whole field. And even the fence that is surrounding the field was broken down. Why was it so? Why was his field taken over by weed? Verse 30 says, Because he was void of understanding. The slothful had intention, and his intention was to build a house. Because if we look at it in verse 27, he said, Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterward build thy house. So we want to see that the intention of the slothful and the intention of the strong man were to build a house. But before they can build a house, instruction was given that they must prepare their work without. So there is a preparation here. And they must make it fit for themselves. So that is the instruction that was given. So now, what is the meaning of intention? Intention simply means plans. So plan means an intention. Why preparation means to make arrangement. 
So we see there that planning goes before preparation. And it is said that he who fails to plan has planned to fail. In other words, anybody that does not have goals in life, anybody that does not have intention in life, of course, some people will call it vision. When you don't have a vision in life, it means that you are not actually living. When you have a plan, you must make preparation on how to make that plan a reality. How to make that intention a reality. Do you intend to marry? Do you intend to be rich? Do you intend to travel? Do you desire to have your own house? Do you intend to become a professional in any field of life? The question here is, what are your preparations? How prepared you are will determine the reality of the success of your intention. How prepared you are will determine the reality of the success of your intention. If your intention will come to fruition or not, it depends on your preparation. Jesus told us a story, and I want us to go there in the book of Luke chapter 14. Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 14. And let us look at the story that the Lord Jesus Christ narrated in that uh, text. Luke chapter 14 from verse 28 to 32. verse 32. Thank you. Now, we, we saw two illustrations here. Number one, who is it that want to build a tower? Who is it that intend to build a tower? You have intention to build a tower. Jesus Christ told us here. Now, did you just jump into building a tower? It's not even possible for you to do that. You need to sit down. You need to begin to make adequate preparation. How much is it going to cost me? What am I going to do? These are the plans you are making. Then by the time you have counted the cost, are you able to make preparation for it? Are you able to pay that cost? Jesus said, so that if you start it, if the preparation is not adequate, if the preparation is not good enough, you may start, but you may not finish. And so you become a laughing stock in society. 
Who is it that wants to go and fight a war? Life is a war. Life is a battle. Who wants to fight a war? Who wants to fight a battle? Who will not first sit down and make adequate preparation to see if he can be able to face that battle and win it? Because you had 1,000 and you are going to face 10,000 soldiers. What are your strategies? What are your preparations? Can you be able to win that battle? What, how, how many people have you consulted? He talked here about counselor. How many people have you gone to? To meet them, to ask them what you can do. He's talking about preparation here. A man who planned to build a skyscraper cannot compare himself to a man whose plan was to build a bungalow. Why? Because what they are aiming at is different. They may start the foundation of the building together. But well, let me tell you, long after the man with the bungalow must have completed building his bungalow, the man building the skyscraper will still be digging foundation. Why? Because the taller a man will go in life, the deeper he must be. Amen. And the reason why he's busy digging deep is because he's aiming at the sky. So their preparation, of course, will be different. Their preparation will be different. It is very, very important for us to take note of that. So we saw in our scripture text that the problem of the slothful was because he lacked understanding. He lacked understanding. And because he lacked understanding, his field was overgrown. With what? With weeds. With weeds. The defense around his field had broken down. That was the problem of the slothful. And why did that happen? Because he was lazy. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands. He said his poverty will come to him like an army. May God have mercy on us in Jesus' name. But when we look at the strong man, who is a strong man? Because I'm actually trying to bring two people before us today. The slothful and the strong. Who is the strong man? Verse 5. Somebody can read verse 5 to us of that book of Proverbs. Verse 5. Okay. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increase strength. So, the strong man is a man of knowledge. The strong man is a man of knowledge. So, the secret of the strength of a strong man is in his knowledge. Why the problem or the, 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 the pitfall of the slothful or the fool or the lazy was his lack of Understanding, in other words, his ignorance. He was ignorant. 
there are just two types of people in this life. We have the people of knowledge and we have the people with ignorance. As far as God is concerned, God of heaven has given every one of us equal opportunity. Equal what? Equal opportunity. In the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. I want you to look at that scripture very well. God did not say that my people are destroyed because they don't pray. God did not say that my people are destroyed because they don't fast. And the word destroy here, if you look at it in the Greek word, it means to waste. So it means that they are wasting. They are wasting. Destiny is wasting. Gift is wasting. Potential is wasting. Why? Because they lack knowledge. They lack understanding. The lack of knowledge of God, the lack of knowledge of self, the lack of knowledge of environment. Ignorance is a destroyer of destiny. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, the A part there, it says, My brethren, I desire that you should not be ignorant. Even the scripture counsels us that he doesn't want us to be ignorant. Because ignorance is a disease. Praise God. Ignorance is a disease. I said, most often we pray, we spend so much time fasting and asking for what God had already given us. And when we do that, as far as God is concerned, we are embarrassing God. Not only that we are embarrassing God, we are acting in unbelief. We are acting in unbelief. Because when you stand, well, somebody will go to God and say, God, give me a child. God, give me a car. God, give me good health. God, give me this. God, give me that. But I believe each time a person goes to God and is asking that, the answer of God is, I have already given it to you. How did I know? Let's look at it. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse, verse 12. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Yes. 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 Thank you. Yes. Sorry, Second Peter, I mean. Second Peter 1, 3. According as his divine power has given unto us. Now, listen to me. How many things? All things that pertain to one. To what? Life. That is our physical lives. Number two, to what? God is our spiritual life. So, because we are dual personalities... We are both physical and spiritual. And so, the physical life, God has given us everything. He has given us. And he has given us everything we need in our spiritual life. Praise God. He has given it to us. And how did we get it? Through knowledge. Somebody say, through knowledge. 
it is not through prayer. It is not through fasting. That's the emphasis I'm trying to make. It is not true. You don't get these things through prayers. You don't get it through fasting. You get it through knowledge. It is knowledge that delivers it to you. And that is the more reason why you see that it is those who are knowledgeable that are actually ruling the world. And they say knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Why? Because knowledge gives you increased strength. What type of strength? Strength to be able to do or to achieve whatever thing you want to achieve in life. Strength to accomplish whatever thing you want to accomplish. It comes through knowledge. It comes through knowledge. That's what the scripture is saying. But the slothful cannot acquire knowledge. The slothful is ignorant. The slothful lack understanding. So he desire, he has intentions, but he cannot acquire. He can't. He's just stagnated in life. May God have mercy on us. A man of knowledge says, he said he increased strength. Knowledge is the secret of strength. And that is why it is said that knowledge is power. And when knowledge is properly applied, you become wise. And so when you go to verse 3 of our text, it said, A wise man is strong. A wise man is strong. Why is he strong? You see, he got knowledge. And through knowledge, he became wise. And because he's wise, he is strong. Hallelujah. Listen, verse 3 says, Through wisdom, a house is built. How do you build a house? Through wisdom. Through wisdom. Now, when we talk about house here, he could mean so many things. Of course, it could mean a physical house. But I, I, this place actually is, is a word that, that stands for so many things. True wisdom. You, you, you make success in life. True wisdom. You achieve whatever thing you want to achieve in life. True wisdom. You live a good life. In fact, he went ahead. He said, and by understanding the room are filled with all precious and pleasant beauties. True wisdom. And of course, we know that wisdom is what? What is wisdom? No, wisdom is an application of knowledge. Wisdom is application of knowledge. So when you have wisdom, when you acquire wisdom, you went to the university, you went there only to acquire knowledge. That's what you want to do. That's why anyone who is educated is not rich, but he has the power to get wealth. Because the knowledge he has, he has gone to acquire is a key to open door to a good life for him in the future. You can go and learn a trade. It is acquiring knowledge. Somebody who went to learn a trade, somebody who went to learn how to do business, this is knowledge. And so when you get it, of course, it, 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 it opens doors for you 
to become rich. And so that's why you become strong. You have the power to be able to do so many other things in life. So many other things in life. So one of the things that God has given to us in order to be able to assess the vast blessing that he has given to us is knowledge. 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 And that is what most people lack. And God says, because they lack knowledge, we still lack. And so, so some people will begin to tell God, God, why don't you do this to me? Why don't you do this for me? Why don't you do that? That's not true. God has given everything. If we read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, please, you didn't read it the other time. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, what did he say? Now, we have received what? Not the spirit of the world, but we receive. Now, listen to that. We have received the spirit of God. Now, because we receive the spirit of God, what will happen? The reason why you receive the spirit of God is for you to know. Somebody say, For me to know. How can you say you have the spirit of God and you don't know? When the scripture says, when the spirit comes, he will do what? He will teach you all things. But yet, you have the spirit of God, you still lack knowledge. And what will you know? What are freely given? <laughs> Listen, he said it is freely given. Because if I fast to get it, it is no longer free. Because I pay fast. I fast. Eh? Some people they will do white fast, they will do green fast, they will do yellow fast. They will some people they will go in the sun, they will look up like this, and they begin to shout on God. Hey, hey. And so when God do it, ah, I fasted. Eh? And if I fast three days, for oh, this thing I'm freely given. You don't do anything to get there. I mean, anything that is really given to you, do you do anything to get it? It is given. But it is true knowledge by the Spirit of the Lord. By the Spirit of the Lord. I pray God will deliver us from ignorance in Jesus' name. Here lies the secret of success and good life. There is nothing a man of knowledge and understanding desire to do that he cannot do. Absolutely nothing. The only thing that can stop him is poor or lack of preparation. Poor or lack of preparation. But of course, part of your preparation is to acquire knowledge, adequate knowledge, and to gain understanding. It, that's the beginning of your preparation. The second thing is to apply your knowledge properly. To do what? To apply your knowledge, it is written that through wisdom, a house is built. Another important step is to consider time. The scripture says there is time for everything. You cannot afford to module things up. Please read Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, 5 to 7. Are you gaining anything here? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. 8, 5 to 7. Yes. To 
How many things? Everything. Please, I always want you to take note of that when you get the scripture. The other time he said, God has given to us all things. Now he said, to everything there is season. Yes. And a time to every purpose. So there is time for everything. There is time to acquire certain knowledge. And if you do not go to acquire that knowledge at that time, that time can pass. And if that time has passed, it has passed. You see, time is like, it is like a currency. When it is spent, you cannot get it back. The moment you spend the money, you can't get that money back. And so that is the reason why you must, you must, you must, let, let's, let's read another one. Yes, read chapter 8, 5 to 7. Okay. To every purpose, there is time and judgment. Did you see? Why is the mystery of man great upon him? Because he, he does not know. Oh God. The reason why his mystery, the, 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 the what is troubling man is what? That ignorance. Because he does not know. But the moment they take away that ignorance, it's not there's no other mystery that is bigger. The moment he knows, the moment he has understanding, he said. The slothful does not have because he is void of understanding. The moment understanding comes, he's free. He's free. He's free. Hallelujah. Let us look at 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. Still talking about timing. And of the children of Issachar, which were men, they had understanding of, please stay there, they had understanding of time. They had understand, every one of us, we must have understanding, we don't understand time, and that's why a lot of us, we joke with time. When we say a service is 8 a.m., you go there by 8.30, you don't have understanding of time. You don't. Anybody that has understanding of time does not waste time. You value time. You value time. And you make time to be very, very important. Of course, there is time to relax. And there is time to walk. But you don't allow anybody to waste your time. Because he who wastes time wastes life. The men of Issachar, they have understanding of time. Yes. Now, because they have understanding of time, look at them. They became the controller of the whole nation. They make decisions. Please listen. They make decisions as per when Israel should move or when they should not move. So Israel will wait upon them when they go to battle. If the enemy rises and they are doing all kinds of things, many of Israel will say, it's not yet time for us to show. Yes. And they will, they will keep quiet and they will be watching. They are studying time. And their enemy that does not have the, the understanding of time, 
Did you see? We are the end of that battle lose to them. So if you have understanding of time, you will always be above. What is the difference between the rich and the poor? Management of time. Hallelujah. Management of time. What is the what is the difference between an intelligent person and somebody that is dark? It's time. Because when this guy is supposed to spend and begin to read his book and study, he's playing ball around. He's, he's watching TV and he's doing all kind of thing around. Why the other one, he's investing his time into studying. And so when they come to the time of examination, one will excel, the other will not. It's not any Ogun delay. It is because they don't have the understanding of time. So we must have understanding of time. Because God has given us all these things. And we must take root of them. That okay, this is my time. I must do this at this time. Oh, at this time, this is what I'm supposed to do at this time. And when you are able to do those things at their time, there's no way you can ever fail. Amen. Praise God. Now, so let's go to another point here. That's point number what? Number three. So another thing to consider is in Lamentation chapter 3, verse 27. In Lamentation chapter 3, verse 27, we are told that it is good for a man that he bears the yoke in his youth. Of course. That is very close to the time thing, but it is a little bit different because this is talking about you starting whatever thing you want to start early. Anything that you want to do in life, be an early starter. Lamentation 3.27. Be what? An early starter. Don't drag. Don't procrastinate. Procrastination is another destroyer of destiny. What you are supposed to do today when you begin to say, look, mashallah, and days you begin to add up, weeks begin to add up, and you are growing every day. What you are supposed to do when you were youth, when you were younger, when you become an adult, you may not have the opportunity to do it. Listen, what is the essence of a man who went to university and graduated at the age of 91? What did he want to do with that education? <laughs> we used to have them. He's just acquiring it. It's no longer useful to him. He's not going to add any value to his life. Now, tell me, if that kind of a man was able to acquire that same degree when he was around 20, 25, 30 years old, you know that that education, that knowledge, will actually improve his life will improve his life. So, it is important for a man, the scripture told us that it is good for a man that he bears his yoke in his youth. Let's look at another scripture. Proverbs 8, 17 to 18. Proverbs 8, 17 to 18. Psalm 46, verse 5. Talking about early. Early. Rising early. Proverbs 8, 17 to 18. Psalm 46, verse 5. Psalm 19, verse 14. Yes. Yes. God is in the midst of her. 
Yes. And that early. Now, if God is going to help you early, it means that you have prepared yourself. It means that you are ready for the help of God. Praise God. Because unless you make yourself ready for the help of God, you can't be helped. But he said, God is going to help you. And that, help. number one, it is certain that God is in the midst of you. Forget about it. God is in the midst. God is with you. Either you feel it or you don't even need to feel the presence of God. You don't need to feel the presence of God before you know. So a, a lot of times I hear people, Where is it? Where is it? Scripture says the kingdom of God is within you. God resides inside of you. You live, you move, you walk inside God. So God is not so to anywhere. You are ever living in his presence. He's here. He's with you wherever. Do I walk through this valley of the shadow of death? I fear because he's there with me. He is Shama. He's always there. And so God is there. So maybe you are suffering or you are enjoying him. It doesn't matter. God is there. But are you ready for God's help? Because early, God is ready. As early as it is morning in your life, God is ready to help you. But are you ready? Most of the time, we blame God for our predicament. We blame God for our shortcomings. God has nothing to do with it. Ever before God created Adam and Eve, God has prepared the garden where they will live for them. And the same principle God is using it tomorrow. Everything you will need in this life, God has made it ready before you were born. But the only problem you have is knowledge. Knowledge. Hallelujah. Who is reading another one for us? Early with your mercy. Early. Satisfy us early. Proverbs 8. 17 to 18. Mm-hmm. Those that seek me. I love that scripture. Those that seek, seek what? Seek wisdom. Those that seek wisdom, those that seek knowledge, early they will find it. May we never be late in Jesus' name. Another point to consider is that we must not be monotonous in our attempts. What I mean is that you must be open to different ideas and opportunities. Attempt many things. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1 to 2. What did he say? He said, cast your bread upon many waters. Yes. Go ahead. Give a portion to seven and also to eight. Because you do not know. You see, just attempt so many things. Open, be open to opportunity. Open up your life to opportunities. Don't close your account. Ah, Master, consider education. You are wasted. Ah, I'm saying, ah, one Go and do it. 
go and do it. Don't just stay and, and just ah, the little more demo and you're calling on him more demo. Don't be monotonous. Cast your bread upon the waters. Give to seven, give to eight. You do not know the world that you walk out. You don't know it. But already you are prepared. You have done everything. Amen. Finally, never allow yourself to be idle. Always find something useful to do. He said that an idle hand is a workshop of the devil. You can get a job, but if you cannot get a job, create one. If you cannot get a job, do what? Create one. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 18. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 4. By much slothfulness, idleness, he's still talking about the slothfulness now. Yes? The building decays. Now, what does that simply mean? It means that the guy already have a building. The guy already have a house. But you see, because he's idle, what he has, he will lose it. Every blessing, every good thing that God has given to us, may we not lose it in Jesus' name. Don't ever leave your Find something to do. Do something in your life completely And in my conclusion, are you prepared for the last day? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? No matter your preparation for earthly trophies, if you are not prepared for your Savior's return, you are a fool. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. 7 to 9. Revelation chapter, chapter 19. Let us rejoice and be glad. Let us praise his greatness. For the time has come for the wedding of the Lamb. And the price has prepared and made ourselves. Every one of us. It is our duty to make ourselves ready. To prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord. Because though we may say that, oh, they have said the Lord is coming, the Lord is coming, and we didn't see him coming. Yes, it is true. Because the Lord himself has told us that nobody knows the day. In fact, the other time the minister of God on the TV was calculating and then said, well, the coming of the Lord, plus or minus, should not be more than 10 years to this time. Well, he's a man of God that I respect, but I disagree with that too. Because Christ clearly told us that nobody knows and nobody knows it. Amen. There are a lot of predictions in the past, so many predictions, so many predictions has failed. Christ may come today, he may come tomorrow, he may come in 10 years' time, he may come in 5 years' time. But the key thing here is that you must prepare yourself. And how can you prepare yourself? You continue to live a life of holiness and consecration unto the Lord. Stay away from sin. 
Obey him in all things. Do his will. And when you are doing that, you are preparing. Remember the ten virgins. Those ten virgins, they are both expecting the bride. But they said, ten are foolish. Ten are wise. Does that have to say anything about the message of today? That there are two types of people. We have the fool. We have the strong. We have the slothful. We have the wise. Which portion are you? Which part are you? Are you wise? Or are you foolish? Well, my prayer today is that God of heaven will make us wise in the name of Jesus. I say you will be the wise in the name of Jesus. So I want you to bow down your head and I want you to pray to God. Now, I want you to pray and say, Oh God.